Welcome to the Savvy Podcasting for Entrepreneurs podcast, a place for podcasters to learn what's actually working in the world of podcasting and how to use their podcast to generate consistent leads in their business. I'm your host, Jenny, and I'm so excited you're here. Hey, Savvies, welcome back to another episode of Savvy Podcasting for Entrepreneurs. Today, I'm chatting with May Kay Sang. May Kay is a podcast publicity mentor and trainer who helps purpose-driven entrepreneurs to expand their reach, share their message, and grow their businesses to make a bigger impact on the world. She does this by helping her clients and students land brand-aligned podcast interviews as a guest expert to create what she calls value-driven visibility to attract and build a loyal audience. So I'm super excited to have May Kay here today to chat about how to surprise and delight as a podcast guest. So let's dive right in. Hi, May Kay. Welcome to the show. I'm super excited you're here and I cannot wait to chat all about podcast guesting with you. So before we dive into the episode, tell us a little bit about yourself and your business and just how you got started with it all. Oh, hey, Jenny. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be talking about this. Like, I can talk about this all day. <laughs> right. So, yes. Yeah, so, my name is Nikki Thang, and I am a podcast guesting mentor and trainer. So, I help train purpose entrepreneurs, oh, sorry, purpose driven entrepreneurs and their teams to build a self sustaining pitch system inside their business. So, that way, they don't necessarily have to outsource it if they don't want to. And it really came around full circle and actually really started this whole guesting thing when I started my own podcast last year in uh, June 2019, because there was a point, and I'm sure you can 100% relate to this when you work with your own clients, that there's almost like a limitation in reach when you start your podcast to kind of your own network, unless you really start, you know, guesting on other platforms or you run ads to your, um, you know, to your podcast episodes. Sometimes there's like a limitation and that's definitely where I found myself. And the whole guesting thing came about when my, my own business as well, I got, I got to admit, I was struggling a little bit because back then I did focus a lot more on helping people with launching their online courses and my own referral well kind of ran a bit dry and by a bit, I mean, literally dry the Sahara desert. <laughs> and so I need to put myself out there. So I challenged myself to reach out to 101 podcasters in 30 days last year and they were all personalized pitches and everything. And it really put me on the map in my own, like, you know, in my own network and it really grew exponentially from there, my authority as well. And then it just turned out to be something that I really love doing. So now I teach my one-on-one clients this and I have a group program from Pitch to Podcast Guest for, you know, those who want to learn it in a group setting. So it's really come about full circle and I absolutely love the conversation that we're having today because it's like encapsulating all those things. Yeah, I love that. And I love how you're just like, eh like see what else I can do to get more leads into my business. And yeah, um, a lot of people wouldn't naturally go to podcast guesting because they don't really, a lot of people don't see the benefit of it or they do, but they don't think it's like a long-term strategy. They're just like, okay, like it might be good. I might get one client from it or something, or I might get one, one referral or one, you know, one person on my website from it. But honestly, like for me, when I'm on guests on people's podcasts, that's when I see the biggest uptick in my own downloads. Yeah. So, yeah. And a lot of people don't realize that. Like they don't, they just don't think it's going to be worth it or it's just like a minimal benefit. But I honestly think it is a big benefit and people are, it's very underutilized at this point. I mean, people are pitching themselves, but it's not to the extent where, you know, people are really utilizing this as a good visibility strategy. They're more relying on like, you know, direct referrals from their friends or their you know, just their clients and things like that. And where podcasting and guesting on podcasts can be one of those things where you can get people coming in the door. Um, and you know, months later, like I literally have people actually, so I used to do Pinterest before I got into podcasting. Um, and I still love Pinterest and I still do it for podcasters sometimes, but, um, you know, it's, I'm not doing it for as the whole anymore. I have people reaching out for me to me for Pinterest from this one episode that went live in like 2018. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, well, it looks like you're not a podcaster. So I don't really do Pinterest services for podcast or anyone other than podcasters, but it just goes to show how beneficial a podcast episode can be just one episode. Yes. And I'm really glad that you brought that up because um, I think when people are thinking about, you know, pitching to podcasts, I just think it's a, a numbers game. And to a degree it is because, you know, not 
all pictures will be accepted. That's just the nature of things. But it is really about the quality of the relationship you build with the host and the the timeless value that you can provide to their audience. They can serve you for weeks, months, or years to come. Like I still get leads from uh, an episode that I did back in September last year, for example, and it's like nearly halfway through, well, at least a quarter way through of 2020. And so that just goes to show that if you are on the right podcasts that are strategically geared to the audience you want to reach and you really like optimize that um, experience and you you know share about the interview then there's no reason why it can't work for you long term yeah totally so let's like bust a myth really quick do you have <laughs> to have a huge following to be a guest on people's podcasts no you definitely don't <laughs> I mean, uh, okay, I'm going to be like super real with you. Okay. So I, re- I remember like during that 101 pitch challenge, I reached out to, I'm not going to name who it was because I don't want to make, make her look bad, but um, she was quite a reputable podcaster and uh, you know, she's been in the podcast game for about four years or so. So she had over 200 episodes. So I knew like in my, in my eyes, like she was like, oh my gosh, like, oh, hashtag goals sort of thing. <laughs> and so I sent a pitch to her and it did get accepted. But there was a, almost like a backhanded compliment that came with it. And it was like, oh, normally we don't accept people with, um, you know, following as little as yours. <laughs> so like they, they asked me to fill out a form and I put my like following number and my, um, my email list was like 29 people. <laughs> and I was like, you know, that, that's for real. That's how it was. Um, but they said like, oh, but, you know, normally we don't accept people with the following as little as yours, but your pitch was so good. So you know, <laughs> we want to talk to you. And so that just goes to show that if you do lead with value and service, the numbers, they can be an influ- you know, they can be a factor of influence, but it's not the end or be all for sure. Right. I totally agree with that. So we kind of already did dive into the first question I was going to ask you, but what kind of ROI can we get from podcast interviews? Like obviously like getting people to our podcast, but what are some other things that we can get from being a guest on podcasts? Mm, that's a great question. And to be honest, it really does depend on the the strategy that you put in beforehand because many people I know, they actually kind of pitch randomly or they wait to get invited. And that really like, the ball is not in their court if they do that. That's why you really do need to be, you know, strategic with the kind of calls to actions and what seeds and hints you're dropping in the interviews about your services or your products, right? And so the ROI that I personally received and my clients, like they get direct clients, they get direct leads from um, the interviews. They're like, oh, I've seen you, you talked on this podcast, I want to work with you because they're able to articulate their value so well. So you can definitely get direct clients. You can increase your listenership for your podcast. You can, um, you know, add more people to your email list and to be invited on to speak on stages and summits. Summits has been a big thing for me and even teaching inside, um, you know, membership sites and, um, you know, just masterminds as well. So a lot of these are very interconnected and some of them have a direct ROI when you can see the numbers. But I think, what I really wanted to share with your audience here, Jenny, is that there are two types of ROI. And the one type is the one that we're all familiar with, like return on investment, right? So like the physical numbers, what can we see and prove? But the other ROI that I want you to take into account is the ripple of impact. And that's something where the dots will connect one day for you. Because sometimes people want like the art, the normal ROI immediately. They're like, oh, you know, this didn't work because I didn't get like 10 leads like I was promised or anything like that. I don't like, I don't recommend going into podcast guesting if that's your mindset, because sometimes you need to show up at the right time with the right message for someone in order for it to really land for them. And that's when it really happens. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And yeah, there's tons of different like external ROI that you can get from being a podcast guest, but it's, yeah, you know, you may, or if you're going in there with that mindset, like I just want to get this to book clients, then mm. that's not the right way to go about it. In my opinion, like, you know, you want to go in with like serving first and leading with value versus like, just with that mindset, like, Ooh, if I'm not guests on people's podcasts, that means I'm going to get new clients or I'm going to get new listeners to my show. So you need to like, you know, in everything we do, we need to lead with value in my opinion. hundred percent. I, there's a m- mantra that I always share with my students and my clients. I always say service 
over self-importance. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's really true. And, you know, as a service-based business owner and like a lot of my audience that listens, they do also have service-based business owners or mm-hmm. service-based business owners as well. So they definitely resonate with that too. So do you recommend that all entrepreneurs kind of add podcast guesting to their visibility strategy? I mean, I know obviously some people that's going to be like a scary, like, no, I don't want to ever do that. I am not someone who likes this kind of thing, but like, mm-hmm. you know, obviously if, you know, people feel comfortable with it, then do you recommend that they kind of start dipping their toes in the water of that? I don't think that podcast guesting is for all entrepreneurs. And that's simply because you really need to think about whether your ideal customer avatar is a podcast listener because some of them just simply aren't and that's 100% okay so you need to think about you know your ideal customer avatar but you also need to think about yourself how do you best you know communicate your thoughts do you communicate it best on video or are you a clear verbal processor are you a podcaster <laughs> or are you somebody who you know best communicates through writing right like Podcast guesting isn't for everyone because there are just some people who are just better at communicating more through video where they do have their facial expressions and their hand gestures in order to kind of help, you know, communicate with their nonverbal communication cues. And some of us are just best as writers and that's totally okay. So think about your ideal customer avatar if they are genuine podcast listeners and then think about yourself on how you like to process information. It's a little bit different when you are thinking about what you like doing versus what you're genuinely um, like skilled or unskilled at, basically. Because um, naturally, for example, I was terrified um, with the thought of standing on stage one day, but it turns out I just needed the right know-how and I needed the right mentors in order to help me see what I couldn't see in myself. So that's a couple of things that I want you to consider as well, whether you actually want to get better at this thing, but you just have a couple of visibility blocks. Maybe you just don't know the how to that's actually stopping you, but that's a couple of things to think about. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree with that. And I always, ne- I mean, I never really thought I would be having a podcast, let alone being guests on people's podcasts. I am pretty introverted myself. Um, yeah. So I, it's, you know, one of those things and we can always get better about, better at things if we want to, too. Like I always thought Mm -hmm. I was a writer and I would just blog forever and, you know, all that stuff. But that's just honestly, you know, I like writing still, but it's not my passion anymore. And podcasting has become my passion. So it's just interesting to see how we can kind of change and adapt and like think that something that we would have never considered ends up being our favorite thing and ends up being something we really enjoy and we really excel at. Mm, 100% agree. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting. So like, even if you don't feel like you could be a podcast guest or you're not like, you've never done it before, it doesn't mean you're not good at it. Like give it, give it a spin. I would say like be a guest on one or two podcasts. And then if you find it's not for you, then that's completely fine. You can kind of nix it from your strategy. But I feel like, I feel like we should at least give it a go. Right. Yeah, definitely give it a go because you honestly never know. It's almost like, um, yeah, please tell me you've seen Finding Nemo. <laughs> Have you oh, seen that before? Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> So I bring up this scenario is when um, Nemo is about to be welcomed into the Brotherhood when they're at Mount Wanahakalugi, right? And they're chanting like, like uh, as you know, that's after he gets <laughs> accepted. But my point is, there's a point where like Gil puts Nemo to the test, like you need to swim through the Mount Wanahakalugi like pressure, you know, that's coming out of the volcano in the tank. And, you know, they're amping it up with their chanting um, and like sharks is like singing on the side, like, and all that kind of stuff. And the thing is that, you know, the anticipation is the worst thing. But when Nemo actually like takes a split second to believe in himself and he swims through, it's easy peasy. So it's the same kind of feeling when you're trying something completely new. You can build it up so much in your head, but it's actually way more harder in your head than it actually is and the same thing for podcast guesting (laughs) yeah yeah for sure you're so right I mean we sit there and we think about it and we overanalyze it and you know we sit there and stare at our pitch or you know whatever that may be or a list of research podcasts and we're like oh I don't even know where again like like if you get to the point where you actually have all the research and then you're just like but now what like I have all these podcasts how do I actually reach out to them so there's a lot of different Mm -hmm. things that can be like kind of hindrances there but I think it's just like about just kind of just like letting it become easy because it doesn't have to be this hard thing and like 
if you get no's or if people don't respond to you, that's okay too. Like it's good. It's going to happen. Like you're not going to get accepted to every single podcast you reach out to. Like that's just not a thing. <laughs> yeah. So, it's just the nature of the game. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, just like if you're submitting to like medium or like any other like Forbes or something, like you're not going to get all your pitches accepted there or you're not going to get like, you know, I don't know the video equivalent of that, but you're not, mm. you're just not, it's not going to happen. Um, unless you are like some killer writer or killer, like you have some killer <laughs> strategy that you should tell us about, but even the most experienced people don't get every single pitch, um, like yeses to every single pitch. So that's really important to keep in mind. So what are some things that you can recommend for people getting started as a podcast guest? Like obviously having a really good pitch is important, but like beyond that really just like, how can they, even maybe source out the podcast that they might want to be a guest on and how can they kind of craft their signature talk or different things like that? Mm, yeah, this is something that, I mean, the, I have three phases that I take my clients and my students through. It's called my pitch with purpose framework and pitching is actually phase two because there's a whole world of things you got to think about first before you even think of writing a pitch. And it does definitely start with your your overall strategy, like how are you going to measure metrics wise, hard and soft metrics of whether podcast testing is actually delivering the ROI that you're looking for. So that's one thing that you need to think of. And when you, for example, I like the idea of building up my email list. Therefore, I need to think about, okay, so what do I need to talk about in order for my lead magnet to make sense, to make it like the next step sort of thing for listeners to do after they listen to an interview? So I need to think about that. And is my landing page ready? Is it connected to my email system? Is it, is there a, um, a nurture sequence attached to it? You know, that sort of thing. You need to think about your backend systems to ensure that your goals can even be met, first of all. So that's the strategy part. And then you got to think about what makes you uniquely credible to talk about these topics. And that's something that really does trip people up. But I guarantee you that if you are teaching about something, there is a reason for it. You either have direct experience in helping people yourself or you got the results for yourself and now you want to share it with other people. Like that's how I started. Like when I started talking about podcast guesting on other podcasts, I didn't have clients at the time. I didn't have students at the time either, but I did have my own experience to draw from and I knew that it would work. So that's something to take into account when you start thinking about what makes you uniquely credible and the kind of story you can tell to lead you into this conversation. And then you got to think about, you know, your, your topic suite. So there needs to be like a couple of different topics that you can bounce around in because when you're reaching out to podcasters, it's up to you to adapt to them, not vice versa. So you need to have like a couple of topics that are a bit flexible so you can actually like bend them to your will um, when you are, uh, and by bending to the will, I mean your topics, not the host. <laughs> So you need to think about how your topic can really fit into their overall mission. And that's what I would start with first before you even send a pitch. Right. Yeah, no, that's really helpful. And I think that that is something that will go a long way. And so many people like, I don't know. I mean, I've, I'm sure you've received your fair share of horrendous pitches where people are like, did you even listen <laughs> to what I even talk about? Like I still get pitches for my old show because I, before this, I had a podcast that was um, I spoke with entrepreneurs about just like different things like Facebook ads and, you know, all the different marketing type things. And now obviously it's all about podcasting. I still get pitches for that. I'm like, did you even do any sort of research? <laughs> Not only that, but they're like sending me all these topics. Like I have a client who is a five, like six figure entrepreneur and they've done all these things, but like, they don't even have a podcast. I'm like, Ugh. it's just like things like that. It's just, <laughs> it's like, it's so easy to just do that. I mean, I'm not asking for like, a gold star pitch, like in my inbox. Like I just want someone to at least acknowledge that they took five seconds to review my website. I don't even care if you listen to an episode or not, but if it doesn't even look like you even looked at the website, then <laughs> it's a no. But yeah, it's just like those little tiny things, like making sure that our topics are adaptable to what the host has in mind. We want to, we don't want to make them jump through hoops to figure out what we need to talk about. You need to yeah. tell them, here's what I feel comfortable talking about. If it aligns with you if and we can make it work, then that's great. But if not, then that's fine too. But yeah, you don't want to have them be like, okay, so 
um, what can this person talk about? Cause they're not going to, they're not going to spend the time and effort to do that. They already have a million other pitches in their inbox that already did that for them. So mm-hmm. that's yeah. at least my take on that. <laughs> but, yeah. You are not alone. I mean, I've had my fair share of horror pitches as well. And honestly, I get the temptation. I was like, I think you need to hire me because <laughs> <laughs> you need help if, if this is how you're doing pitching. Like that's obviously that's very confusing. Seriously though. It's I, like, I, I hold back, but it's, to me, it's kind of like the bar is so low for pitches because that's the standard right now. It's right, of- right. Yeah. Like I, like I said, I'm not asking for the world out of the pitch. I just want to make sure that someone like kind of looked at my website a little bit and aren't referring yeah. to my old podcast. Exactly. Like, and I, I've been in moods where I've called people out about it too. I'm like, hey, that doesn't even exist anymore. So I don't really know where you're getting your information. But uh, this podcast is now what we do. So thanks, but no thanks. And like, I'm normally not like rude like that. <laughs> but I've just had instances where I got like to the point where it's just like, okay, this isn't that. Like, come on, people, do your research. Especially because it was like one of those companies that like, that's the people pay them to pitch. And I'm like, you are with a company and you're, people are paying you good money to pitch them and get them to be a guest on podcasts. So you should be doing them a service, not a disservice. So it was just like one of those things. Like if it was someone like that was a little, like a little person that they were just pitching themselves or something that would be completely different and I would feel more compassion. But those people that have like these paid services that pitch for them, I'm like, no, that is not cool. Like you're just screwing over a client by even trying to pitch in this way. Mm, I'm really glad that you brought that up because this is like, it's honestly shocked me that, you know, a lot of these are actually from agencies when they're actually pitching on behalf of a client. Right. And it, yeah, it's really, um, it makes me quite sad actually. And like disappointed almost. I'm like, wow, you know, the clients have really trusted you to do this. And I feel bad for them that they are being pitched to podcasts that are clearly not in alignment with them it's clear that the client themselves they're obviously reputable in what they do Mm -hmm. but unless they can spin it in such a way that it is personalized and relevant to my audience and how they can provide value like they'll get a no no matter how wonderful they are and I think that's that's a big disservice when you know there's no synergy and there's no alignment there so it's just yeah, like that, that's got to change. <laughs> right, right. And it's not that hard to come up with a good list of people to pitch people to be on. Like that's like the first step really is just finding a good list of what, like podcasts that are a good fit and then crafting your pitches and making them custom and stuff. Um, I mean, for my other, for this one, it hasn't been so bad, especially since I switched to being, you know, just interviewing podcasters. I don't have as many random off the wall pitches, but I do have a second podcast and we get ones for like doctors and stuff. And like, we literally talk to service-based entrepreneurs, like how is a doctor (laughs) (laughs) relevant unless they can be like how to bust stress or how to um, reduce stress for service-based entrepreneurs. It's never a pitch like that. It's like, oh, I want to talk about how, you know, they built their practice or something I'm like okay that's not really relevant to me or my audience so it just makes me so sad and it's always those big those big agencies that charge an arm and a leg and then they're just you know how many people are actually getting booked from that you know Mm. at least in my opinion (laughs) didn't mean to get on my soapbox over here but yeah I'm right there with you I'm right there with you and that's why I think it's just so important to educate like whether you're a solopreneur or whether you have a small team on how to do it yourself. And like, that's a big reason why, because like I do do pitches for my clients, but I am moving away from that. And it's not because like it doesn't work because it definitely does. Because the way that I've trained my team is that they have to do the website search. They even listen to a couple of episodes and make specific references to what they've learned and things for my clients. And like, I love that about them, but there's something that was missing. And I just feel like there needs to be like a direct connection, I feel. So that's why I am definitely shifting towards the whole, like, um, you know, training people to do it in-house because it, I'm not going to lie. I'm not cheap. So, <laughs> so exactly. I'd, I'd much rather that you have like, you know, the system that's already built in. So no matter, um, so no matter what you have a team member that's always trained um, in what they do. And if they leave then you still have the system in your business so you can pass it to somebody else. And like, that's something that I'm really like going towards Jenny. Like that's my big vision. <laughs> it's just like self-sustaining systems. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think it's important. I mean, I, I do pitching for clients as well. And like, you know, we do pretty good at it and we're, we're not, we're obviously very, we're not 
sending really weird hand pitches. Um, <laughs> we're, we're very skilled and, you know, we, we craft curated pitches, but there's so many people out there that aren't doing that. And it just kind of puts, <laughs> puts a bad taste in like the agency's mouth because there are people who are doing it out there that are legit, but there are also people who are just like willy nilly, like how many people can I pitch this person for? Because numbers you know, in their opinion is what, where it's at, where that's not really the case. It's all about how many people actually booked that person versus how many people you pitch them to, right? But. Yep, 100%. Cool. So what are some tips that you have for us on how to like surprise and delight your podcast host that you're reaching out to kind of before, during, and after the interview? So obviously before it's going to be like, you know, making sure your pitch is solid and crafted and carefully curated and stuff like once I guess so basically once you get on the show and after the fact how do you kind of make that experience good with the podcast host to where they're like oh wow this person was an amazing guest and I you know I would recommend them to all my friends Mm, yeah that's a great question and you nailed it with the whole before the the actual interview it is it really does start with the pitch and actually there are a couple of questions that I love asking the hosts um, so for example, I, I do recall, like, I think I asked you on Instagram, but instead of email, like, like, oh, what can I do to make this episode super valuable for your audience? Because every audience is going to be a little bit different. And some of them do prefer the stories and the mindset shifts. And some of them prefer the step-by-step strategy and some of them like both. So it's kind of, I call it the story to strategy scale, <laughs> like where on the scale do they actually lie? So it's just good to know roundabouts where they are. So you have examples to bring to the interview itself and to make it more real and like make it more tangible for people to take away so that's before for sure and then during like you know just showing up with your energy and you know really really appreciating the host for you know bringing them onto their platform because it is a big deal it's like it's an honor and it's a privilege at the same time so you know just gotta go in and don't hold back on what you're providing in the interview as well what I found is that the most you know, best received podcast interviews I've been a part of is when I didn't hold back. I gave away the farm and it was totally fine because people know when some people are holding back and they know when you've over-delivered for them. So that's definitely the jury. And then after, because I think people have this misconception that when the interview airs, that is done and dusted <laughs> and move on to the next one. But that's not the case it's literally like okay how can I continually build relationships with this host like and a big part of it is the amount of effort that you put into promoting the episode especially when it airs but also integrating the episode into into your evergreen marketing strategy like you know keep shouting them out and tagging them into posts where you know that the host is the expert in their space and like oh I can recommend Jenny for the you know that sort of thing that is how you continually build on this relationship and it keeps you top of mind and on their radar to either invite you back or to recommend you to another host or just to like you know keep you in their good books for another opportunity that's probably um, not so obvious right from the get-go, but they may invite you later on to do, you know, a collaboration for a summit, for example, like that has happened for me. And it's all because I just gave without expectation, which is funny because it's kind of like, um, (laughs) you have this expectation to get something when you give without expectation. So it's like really, (laughs) it's really uh, strange how, how that really works. But honestly, giving away the farm and just being like upfront with value and service before anything, that has been the game changer before, during, and after. Yeah, I think that's really important to know. And especially at the after phase, because I think, like you said, a lot of people think once an area goes live, that's the end. And it's not. And it doesn't have to be. And it, it surprises me really how many people like don't even get to the point where they even share their episode. Like it goes live and then they don't even share it. And I'm like, what even? Like, what's the point of that? You know, like obviously, you know, I think of podcasting as, especially guesting, um, you are helping that person and they're helping you. It's kind of a two-way street. So if you go on the show and they go and take their time and you take your time and once you're done, like you, they're promoting you, they're promoting the episode, you should, the least you can do is just share on Instagram stories. Like, come on. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And I think people just do, do, don't even do that a lot of the time. It really kills me. I mean, and if they're not doing that, they're definitely not, they're definitely not uh, 
going the extra mile and engaging any further. <laughs> so, yeah. so that's really helpful. And I think it's something that people, you know, forget about. They think, okay, it's done. I'm good. I shared it on stories once or I didn't share it at all. And then that's it. So I think that's really, really important. And as a, you know, as a host, I like to make it easy, as easy as possible for people to share the episode after the fact. So they're not jumping through hoops to share our episode, but, and they know that they feel supported. And I always say something like, you know, is there any, is there any other way I can support you? I'd love to help in any way that I can. Like I always add that line in there because I yeah. really do. Like if I invite you on my show, <laughs> I, I think you're a, you know, an awesome person and I want to share your message with people. So I think that's really um, important to keep in mind. So, um, you know, and on the note of getting invited on summits and stuff, my other podcast, we actually have a virtual summit that we host twice a year. And a lot of our previous podcast guests end up being in the summit because we invite them back because we really liked that, their interviews and things like that. So it's definitely not something that is uncommon if you, if you know, if you've made a good impact on someone. Yeah. I mean, it's like an opportunity to nurture these relationships because a lot of podcasters are actually like either thought leaders in the making or they already are thought leaders. So, you know, why wouldn't you want to nurture these relationships? Because these are the things that matter the most in business. It's not about, it's kind of like, oh, what's this, the statistic? It's, um, it takes about five times the amount of resources to acquire a new customer, for example, than it is to, you know, um, upsell or resell to an already existing one. And right. this, I think we can definitely mirror that into the, in the context of relationships that you can go so much deeper and, you know, create so many opportunities together in a relationship that already exists than trying to start all over again with so many different people. <laughs> and you don't jam with everybody, right? So you want to find your people. And when you have spent time with a podcaster for like 30, 45 or 60 minutes beyond, then you have actually built up so much rapport with them without you even knowing. Right. I 100% agree. Have a podcast idea, but not sure where to even begin when it comes to pre and post production. I can help. Grab the podcast submission checklist that walks you through all the steps you need to take before putting your podcast out into the world. You can snag it at savvypodcastingforentrepreneurs.com slash checklist. Okay. So now let's kind of go into your personal podcast a little bit, because it's always interesting when someone has, you know, they are a podcast expert in some way, shape or form, but they also have their own show. So what made you start your own show and how long have you been doing it for? Ooh, oh, I love this question because my one year podcast anniversary is coming up in a couple of months. So that already gives you an idea. <laughs> so my show is called The Quiet Rebels Podcast. And I started it because I was doing um, Facebook Lives and YouTube like a couple of years back. But here's the thing. I wasn't consistent. <laughs> Like I would be on a good roll for a couple of weeks and then I'd stop when I get like a, you know, a content block. And then I realized like, oh, this is too hard. And I realized it's because the thing is, it was one thing to have content ready that's, you know, video worthy. But there was so much headspace that was taken up by worrying about how I looked, whether it was my skin, my makeup, my hair, my clothes, my surroundings, my lighting, my sound. There was so much that was blocking me then, um, you know, from actually going all in with delivering value. And so I already knew that that was something that stopped me. So I don't have a problem with video, but I do know that I think about things that I shouldn't be thinking about, but I do. And I also noticed that my ideal customer avatar, so again, you got to always think about your people, they don't have time to watch a 30-minute Facebook Live every week. <laughs> or they do, but it's like, eh, you know, they kind of have to make time for it. And with podcasting, I was already a frequent podcast listener anyway, and I realized how I could easily fit it into my day. And videos and blogs are often things that you have to kind of multitask with um, and you have to kind of stop and focus at the same time. So it's really hard to fit it in. But podcasts are different. I always listen to podcasts when I'm washing the dishes or I'm cooking or last, last week I was like cleaning out my garden and, you know, all the things. So it's so easy. So that medium just totally made sense for me. And so I started, I've just made a decoration last May in 2019. And then in June, 
2019, I started the Quiet Rebels podcast and I have never missed a week. So it's done wonders for my consistency and building an audience that knows I show up for them every single week. And I feel like that is something that you're not alone in because yeah, coming <laughs> up with on YouTube and stuff is a whole different ball game. Like you can mm. podcast on your PJs. Like personally, uh, <laughs> I'm definitely wearing like a t-shirt and shorts right now. Like not even like jean shorts, like literally like PJ shorts. Oh girl, I've got, I've got, even blanket. Know. <laughs> I'm, I've got a blanket like on my yeah, lap right now. I also have a blanket too. Um, can't, you can't be doing that on YouTube. I mean, if, you, if that's your style, yeah, you can, but most people want to look a little more put together for YouTube or lives or whatever that may be. So I agree with that. And that's kind of why I started my podcast too. Cause I was like, this is really easy for people to consume. My audience is also busy. Like they need something that's quick and easy and they can do while doing the laundry, doing the dishes, going to work, whatever that might be versus YouTube or a Facebook live. Like if their phone goes black, then it stops. <laughs> mm-hmm. So unlike podcasting, you can listen or I mean yeah unlike YouTube you can listen to podcasting when your you know your screen is not turned on so it's just one of those things it's so much easier and it's easier for me too it's way less pressure because I don't have to get ready um mm-hmm. and you know I can just come up with the topic and bring it and I feel like with YouTube a lot of the time you have to be a little more polished as well because yeah um which is what with what you're saying too like you just have to be more I mean, you can still have fun with it, of course, but you still have to be just a little more polished in my opinion. And that's how I felt I needed to show up. So then it kind of took the fun out of it too. So I, I never really did YouTube, but in terms of lives, yeah, I haven't really done a live stream in a really long time because just not my cup of tea. So I totally resonate with that <laughs> and congrats on coming up on your year. That's exciting. Thank um, you. you know, it's one of those things a lot of people are like, wow, I can't imagine my life without podcasting. <laughs> So sounds like you're in that same boat as well. So, yeah, (laughs) cool. So kind of what is your format for your podcast? Do you do interviews, solos, a mix of the two? And then how often are you putting out new episodes? I think you said weekly, right? Mm, Yeah. So I publish a weekly show and I really started to like, shift the types of episodes because I'm experimenting a little bit but so far I have done a solo episode and that's definitely how I started but then as I started getting momentum then I started inviting guests on the show so I had like a hybrid of like solo and guests now it's about 85% guests and you know what's the other percentage <laughs> 15% solo and um, now I've actually started experimenting with coaching episodes so when someone comes onto the show and it's a coaching session because in a previous business life you know I was um, I was a coach and I've taken on board a lot of these coaching skills into my current work as a you know as a program leader and as a mentor so it's really kind of come back full circle and that's a way that I can really serve my audience because you know, I'm moving away from being able to offer like one-on-one hourly sessions because um, you can get a lot done in an hour, but the kind of, you know, whether it's sustainable um, in the long run because the people do need accountability when it comes to podcast guesting. So I'm kind of like moving away from that. And that's a way for me to reconnect my audience and still stay close to them no matter how much I grow. And the response has been great so far. And I'm looking to also do like mini q and I'm going to call them quiet questions because the whole quiet rebels theme. <laughs> and just in case, um, you know, my audience is not quite there in wanting to show up on a coaching session, if they just send me like a voice note through SpeakPipe, which is a tool that I use, um, they can send me like a quick question and I can answer them on a mini um, you know, like a mini response to them um, as like little mini bonus episodes. So that's kind of where I'm going. But I've mainly done solo and guest shows. It's weekly, no matter what. It might increase in the future, like twice a week, perhaps. But that's definitely how it's gone so far. And it's done wonders for me so far. I love that. And I think, I think that's the cool thing about podcasting. You can always add new elements to it. It doesn't just have to be like this rigid format. You can change things, you can adapt, like such a cool thing. I mean, you can do that with anything, but, um, I think we always try to put ourselves in this box because we're like, okay, this is how so-and-so does their podcast, but we can always switch things up. And coaching sessions is a really good way to showcase your expertise, but not have to worry about, um, you know, completely getting rid of that one-on-one element from your business. So, yeah. 
Definitely. Oh, you got doggy in the background. <laughs> <laughs> of course I do. They, they've been really fun lately. Uh, everyone's home. So I'll probably leave this in the episode. Honestly, I'm not a perfectionist. So I mean, I am, but not with my podcast. <laughs> so yeah. So when it comes to your podcast, do you have anything that you like that stands out in your mind that is just working best at this point in time? Like this can be anything, but just something that really feels really good to you and, you know, is converting well. Mm, I'd say, well, the reason why I brought in the coaching episodes is because in around February of this year, in 2020, um, I surveyed my audience because I know that podcasters tend to do it at the end of the year when it's like, oh, you know, we've got a new year coming up. Like, what do you want to see next? But (laughs) for me, I had a launch in January, so I didn't have the bandwidth to really like listen to um, like all of these requests and implement them at the same time. So that's why I kind of like left it until February can't say the word February (laughs) and um, yeah so I surveyed my audience and I even jumped on um, a couple of quick calls with my audience as well on my email list Um, you know like hey would you be open to sharing your insights on what's really what you've really liked and what you'd like to see more of sort of thing and it was through those conversations and through the surveys that I um, survey responses that I read through they do like the guests and they're like oh we love you they they all said that blessed. they're like oh we love you so much by the way just so you know um, but with the guests you know obviously you can riff off of their expertise as well and you're still contributing your insights so I think they tried so hard not to hurt my feelings <laughs> which is why um, I focus more on guesting now having people on my show, but you bet your sweet buns that I do have very high standards because I do this for a living. Like I help people get on podcasts. I'm like, I'm like, oh, sweetheart, if you're going to try and get on my podcast, you, I really hope you downloaded my lead magnet or you've listened to um, a couple pitching episodes because I literally give you exactly how to pitch to people, including myself. So it's like, okay, go through that, <laughs> see what you can do. Um, right. so, yeah. So definitely guesting and um, I'm still experimenting with the coaching thing. And honestly, what you said earlier, Jenny, is so right that there's no rigid plan for you. You can change it however you want because you are the host. So, um, you know, don't think that you have to do X, Y, Z if it's not working for you anymore. You can do it seasonally if you want to. You can do it bi-weekly or you can do it bi-monthly. It really depends on your own bandwidth. So long as you communicate with your audience and you still show up consistently, and I think the word consistency really scares people because they often think it's all the time. So consistency doesn't mean that you're posting constantly. And I think that's what's really important to take away from this conversation, that you do what's in your own means. And that is what's going to help you retain the, your audience and, you know, continually build that loyalty with them and to attract more people too. Totally. And yeah, like you said, consistency can be once a week, once a month, once every two weeks, as long as you're putting it out on the same schedule every single time and not like going from one a week to one a month to never, then you're pretty (laughs) much good there. That Um, happens too. It does. It does. The the pod fade is a real thing. I definitely noticed that. I'll go to some podcasts. I'm like, oh, I can't wait to listen. Oh yeah. It hasn't been up yet. 2016. Great. (laughs) Which I totally get. If you had 300 episodes and you quit in 2016, that's perfectly fine. But if you only had 10, then, you know, that makes me sad for you because, Mm. you know, it's just kind of, you just went through 10 episodes and you put all your hard work and effort into it and then you just disappeared off the planet. (laughs) Unless it's a season. That's the only time that that's okay. But Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Most of the time, no. People just get too busy or they realize that, you know, they it's not for them or something or whatever that might be. So kind of on the other side of things, what is like something that you wish you could have done better with your podcast and, you know, if anything, and what did you learn from that? Ooh, hmm. what could I have done better with my podcast? I think, um, I, well, since we're talking with fellow podcasters here, I think something that I really haven't capitalized on is actually using my podcast as a way to share a bit more about what I do because my mentors have lovingly said to me, they're like, they're like, okay, you have a podcast. You can use that to, you know, like share more about your services and your offering. Why don't you do that? So I know I could do that better. So that is, is coming. It's not quite consistent in that regard yet, but it's just something that I do need to work on. And so that's 
one side of things. And second side of things, I really want to improve the guest experience for them. So I have a friend of mine and um, I was definitely inspired by a podcaster who I guess um, I guessed it on her show and she had an incredible onboarding experience for a podcast guest. So she had a dedicated page. She had a personalized video um, where you can upload all the things like all your headshots, and your bio and all that kind of stuff. And for me, I really want to improve the on and offboarding experience for my guests. So I do want to get to a point where I, I already send them promotional graphics and the link and when it's going live, what the episode name is, but I'd love to improve that even further, like, you know, with some swipe copy, some um, quote cards, perhaps social media as well, just to help them promote it and make it easier for them. So that's something that I'm still working on. And with the one year anniversary coming up, you bet your buttons that I am going to get that in place. <laughs> so that's, yeah. that's my honest take. <laughs> yeah, no. And I feel like you're not alone in either of those boats, but especially the not promoting yourself and your services enough because so many people, especially women I found yes. don't do that. And they they just struggle with it in some way, shape or form. Cause they just are so value driven. They want to provide so much value that they're like, Oh, I guess I pr- could have probably like thrown in like my freebie or something. And freebies are a lot easier to promote for people. But when it comes to like a paid program or something, people mm-hmm. get so nervous and they're like, oh, my audience is going to hate me if I just talk about this for like even 30 seconds. But honestly, that's not the case. Like people really understand that you are a business. I mean, for the most part, there are people who are going to want things <laughs> for free no matter what. But most people do understand that you are running a business and you do need to make money. So, you know, throwing in a 30 second ad segment in your episodes is not going to make or break people's experience with you and think that you're a bad podcast host because you did it because so many <laughs> people do it. Um, you know, if you listen to all the male dominated podcasts, they do it at the beginning, the middle and the end. And you know, <laughs> then they also probably have a couple of sponsors that have like, are showing like purple mattresses and stuff too. <laughs> um, so I think as women, we really need to like, feel a little more comfortable at selling. And I know for me, that's still something I struggle with. Like I'm like, Ooh, when it gets to the point where I'm like, Oh, it's my price. Like, what is my price? You know, like I know my price, but you know, you, it just feels uncomfortable, but like on our podcast, we are providing hopefully such good value already that we shouldn't feel weird or sleazy or slimy about putting in like a 15 to 30 second ad. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really glad that you brought us up because when we uh, take that same mentality in regards to guesting, so here's why momentum really matters because yes, you can be on one podcast so far, you know, as, as a guest, right. But sometimes it takes some, you know, some extra touch points for people to see you dotted in their circle, wherever they look. It sometimes it takes that many touch points in order for them to really have the message land in order for you to really reach them with your message. And the same goes when it comes to sales. Like we, we're told there's like eight to 12 different times people need to hear your message before they even consider buying from you. So if we're only doing this once in a blue moon, it's not going to land. And there's so, there's so much value that we could provide, you know, as female entrepreneurs. And even if you're a male who's, you know, a male entrepreneur, like there's still so much value that we can provide. And it's almost like our duty. No, I'll take that back. It is our duty to just like continually share how we can help people because no matter how much a message is pushed out there or pulled or whatever you want to call it, it's still up to them whether they choose to take you up on it or not. It's not like we're backing them into a corner, like, like pointing and like, you know, your finger at them, like, you must buy or else. It's not like that's what's happening here. It's just like, hey, here's an opportunity. And then like a couple of days later, like, hey, here's, here's the opportunity again. You're interested? Like, hey, you know, that's kind of how it's going. And like, people aren't constantly focused on us 24-7. Like oftentimes they're distracted by so many other things in a day. So actually we're doing them a service, just reminding them of what can help them move forward. Yeah. Yeah. Asking for a sale doesn't have to be slimy or sleazy or, um, awkward and it doesn't have to be a hard sale either. You can ask for something politely and persistently and still have the same results. And I love that you brought up the eight, eight to 10 touch points. Cause that's super true. Like when you think of like influencer marketing and stuff, like well, brands that are working with an influencer on like, you know, a 10 post campaign versus just one post do a lot better because, the person gets 10 touch points with that product versus just that person talking about it once and then running away and never talking about it ever again. Exactly. So, so yeah. 
And then lastly, I'm just, I love to ask this question because as podcasters, we typically do listen to at least one other podcast, but what is, what are you currently listening to? What's your current favorite podcast that you, you know, feel like you can't not listen to basically? <laughs> hmm. Okay. So uh, it's kind of in between. Can I share two or do I have to be one? <laughs> no, you can definitely share two. Go for it. <laughs> So one I really love is called Own Your Hustle by Ruby Lee. And I've actually had the honor of guesting on her show, actually, episode 101 of all numbers. So I was like, oh, that's such a nice number. <laughs> um, and Ruby, she's just like, she's literally like a ball of sunshine. She's managed to shed light on the most daunting of topics. Like, for example, there's a there was a topic about, you know, when a client wants to leave you, for example, and it's not such a great conversation, but she always finds a way to put such a positive spin on it. And we need more of that in life for sure. So that's number one. And number two, I also love listening to Rick Moretti's podcast, The Art of Online Business. He just speaks to my soul when it comes to just like creating things um, from an impact perspective. And, you know, even as a male entrepreneur, he has such an amazing heart. And so, you know, that's why like male or female to me it doesn't matter it to me their underlying motivation so long as it's to serve and to provide opportunities for people to make a bigger impact that's all I care about so that's why I felt the need to both share like a feel female and a male yes, yes I love Rick too and he isn't he's not sleazy in any way shape or form either he doesn't give me those like bad bro marketer vibes at all so. yeah exactly. um, <laughs> so I totally agree and James Wedmore is in the same camp he doesn't mm, give yes. me those like bad bad bro marketer vibes that some of some of those people do not to do to like uh, <laughs> about them or anything but yeah some people just have weird strategies of them that don't resonate with me and that's completely okay but yeah let, just tell us where we can find you so your website your podcast and your social media channels yeah thanks so much so if you are interested in learning more about the whole podcast guesting thing i'm i'll be over at my website so it's maykstang.com and my name it's actually spelt with a hyphen normally, but just for the sake of <laughs> just making things easier, it's M-A-I-K-E-E-T-S-A-N-G.com. And my podcast is called The Quiet Rebels Podcast. So if you feel that you are somebody who wants to be able to find the courage to truly own your voice and your value in this world, both in life and business, then I'd love to see you over on the podcast as well. And on social media, I'm the most active on Instagram. So find me over there. Same handle, M-A-I-K-E-E-T-S-A-N-G. And I will link everything in the show notes as always if you guys want to go check her out. But thank you so much for being here today. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thanks so much, Jenny. I loved it too. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. You can find all the details from this episode by going to www.savvypodcastingforentrepreneurs.com slash episode 158. If you haven't joined the free Facebook community yet, make sure to head over to SavvyPodcastingForEntrepreneurs.com slash group and join the exclusive community today. I'd love to have you. Um, but yeah, we'll see you guys in the next episode. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast player like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher and leave a review. You can find us at SavvyPodcastingForEntrepreneurs.com and on Facebook at SavvyPodcastingForEntrepreneurs and Instagram at SavvyPodcasting. Make sure to join our free Facebook community for podcasters by going to SavvyPodcastingForEntrepreneurs.com slash community and join in on the exclusive community just for Savvy Podcasting for Entrepreneurs listeners. I'll see you there.